Okay, so there's this thing we've been doing in combat sports since literally the days of Muhammad Ali, where an athlete comes along that's so dominant, does things we've never seen before, and shows virtually no signs of weakness in doing it, well, it's kind of hard not to see them as invincible. Now, of course, this isn't actually true, but for many fighters, they put together performances that just made them seem like they couldn't be beaten. So when they were actually tested for the first time, it made for some of the most dramatic fights in MMA history. I'm Bailey, and from MMA On Point, and these are 10 times seemingly invincible fighters got tested. Also, we are not counting people we already saw lose on a big stage. Silva and GSP, for instance, had already lost in big fights. Although, yes, they did in fact rebuild their aura of invincibility later on, we are looking for ones where we'd just never seen that before. Number 10, Hoist Gracie versus Kimo Leopoldo. We were also gullible to martial arts 30 years ago, and we didn't really have a clue about what was actually effective, which only made what Hoist did at UFC 1 and 2 make us ready to believe that BJJ was god-tier. Most of you know the backstory. This was an open-weight tournament with a bunch of different martial arts styles. Hoist was like 170 pounds wearing a gi. He looked like that nerdy guy who thought he was a badass in high school. But he still won UFC 1 and 2, and he pretty much dominated. Seven wins, five of them in less than two minutes, where he toyed with these giant men on the ground like Zeus playing with us mere mortals. After the UFC 2, you could tap your buddy on the shoulder and be like, dude, that's the best martial art right there. But at UFC 3, his first fight was against the religious zealot Kimo Leopoldo. And for the first time literally ever, we saw Hoist have some trouble. Make it double! Firstly, Kimo was a big boy and Hoist tried to take him down immediately, but he couldn't. And that was a problem, you know, because BJJ kind of happens on the ground. When they did go there, Kimo even landed on Hoist's back and then he pulled off a sweep right after that. I mean, he was headbutting him and all sorts. Hoist had to result to pulling his air to pull out a win, and he had to exit the competition because he just couldn't continue to fight that night. Hoist's cheat codes had stopped working, and I guess we saw that Gracie Jiu-Jitsu could be beaten. Just, uh, not by the guy with the giant Jesus tattoo. Hey, Scotty. Jesus, man. Number nine, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Chad Mendez. Now, this was a banger of a fight, and it came right as everyone had just started to take notice of Alex's 15-fight win streak. Okay, yes, he has a loss on his record before this, but that was up two weight classes in, like, his fourth fight. Against his first five UFC opponents, Alex put on a clinic of powerful striking, efficient wrestling, and a horrific pace more intense than an electrically charged Jason Statham. He'd taken down every UFC opponent he'd faced with relative ease, and he looked like a mini Kane Velasquez. He was ranked only number 10, but the UFC booked him against number five Chad Mendez. He also had the third highest significant strike accuracy of anyone in UFC history at the time. He's been especially dominant of late, but Chad wasn't about to go down easy. They spent most of the first round feeling each other out, but when they did exchange, Alex knew for the first time in the UFC he was in for a fight. He even gave a quick <laughs> an acknowledgement or excitement. Honestly, pick one. By the time the second round was underway, they had just started chucking leather at each other, and Chad sat Alex down for the first time in the UFC. Money then got more takedowns, and Alex started leaking blood onto the canvas, but eventually he was able to corral Mendez and put him away. As great and unrelenting as Alex had been, Chad truly gave him his first proper challenge in the UFC. Number 8. Valentina Shevchenko versus Tyler Santos Okay, so it's pretty undeniable how dominant and yet invincible Valentina Shevchenko has looked at 125 pounds. There was no one in the weight class that had even come close to challenging her. Now, yes, I hear you. What about her two losses to Nunes? Doesn't that make her seem not invincible, right? Well, okay, they were both at bantamweight and pretty highly contested decisions, actually, so just stay with me here. So after Amanda and Valentina had their rematch, the UFC opened up a new women's weight class, 125 pounds, of which Shevchenko became the undisputed queen. She had a technical 
technical battle with Ioana Jacek, which she won to claim the belt and then looked completely untouchable at 125 pounds. Jessica I only landed two significant strikes. The grappler Liz Carmouche had 25 minutes to take it down and couldn't manage one. She finished the top contender Caitlin Chukagian and the woman who everyone thought had a chance, Jessica Andrade, got completely dismantled. But Tyler represented a new threat. She had a well-rounded striking game and could compete at all ranges and had submissions at the UFC level. In the first round, we saw Tyler take the back and control Shevchenko. And in the second, she got another takedown and more control. Honestly, this was something we'd never seen. And she definitely won the third round as well. On the feet, it was pretty back and forth, but ultimately the judges would give the decision to Valentina. But my friends, it brought up tons of questions. Was Valentina slowing down? She just filmed a movie with Halle Berry. Was the fame gang to her? Look, she was still on top of the division, has undoubtedly secured a legacy, but for the first time ever, she'd looked beatable. Number seven, Big Nog versus Bob Sapp. Among the heavyweight stars of the Japanese pride organization, Big Nog Rodrigo Nogueira at one point sat firmly atop the pile. After winning the Rings King of Kings tournament, picking up five wins by submissions. He then showed up in Pride, where he submitted Gary Goodridge and Mark Coleman in back-to-back -back shows. Then he faced Heath Herring for the inaugural Pride heavyweight title, and he controlled the fight for pretty much the whole contest. Before his next fight with Ensign Inoue, commentator Stephen Quadros literally said, he's basically going to need to win the lottery to win this fight. People weren't even mad. He was just telling it like it is. Of course, Big Nog ended up tapping him as well, and at this point, he was being called the greatest heavyweight in mixed martial arts. Actually, interestingly enough, at the next Pride show, the humongous kickboxer of Bob Sapp made his MMA debut and just massacred Yoshihisha Yamamoto and then Tamura in 11 seconds. And then they thought, hey, you know what will be fun? Let's put him in there with the champ, Nagara. Big Nog shot immediately, Bob stuffed it, lifted him into the air and then pile-drived him into the canvas which had every single person in the arena losing their fucking minds. Holy shit, how is the champion still even alive? The fight continued as Big Nog basically tried to survive the first five minutes and every submission attempt was just shrugged off. It was an amazing, grueling, drama-filled fight. Nog got battered with ground and pound, but after 14 minutes, Bob had nothing left and Nagara managed to pull off an armbar. Talk about tested, jeez. Just need to find another 400-pound man to throw in there with him, I guess. Number six, Israel Adesanya versus Kelvin Gastelum. After the downfall of Anderson Silva, the middleweight division was wide open for another slick-striking aficionado to claim the vacant throne, and right on time, Israel Adesanya arrived in the UFC. In his first year, he picked up four wins, three performance of the night bonuses, and showed he brought a next-level striking game. At UFC 230, he was matched up with a wrestler who many people thought would expose some weaknesses, but he smashed through Derek Bronson, scoring three knockdowns in the first round, and polished him off with a sickening question mark kick. Then, after doing the Crouching Tiger House of Flying Daggers dance with Anderson Silva, he was metaphorically passed the torch as the next guy to free his mind and go all Matrix mode in the octagon. So he was given a shot at the interim title against Kelvin Gastelum. Just two minutes in, Kelvin managed to close the distance and uncorked a massive lead hook that had Izzy stumbling backwards. Immediately afterwards, DC on comms said, And that's as much adversity that we've seen Adesanya have to this point in his career. And he wasn't wrong at all. The fight itself became an all-out fight of the year war. They both landed big shots throughout, but Izzy got to show us all his heart and determination and brought it home in the fifth, again scoring three knockdowns. Up until that point, Israel had looked unbeatable, and even to this day, Kelvin has to be his toughest fight, at least at middleweight. Number five, Habib Namaga Madoff versus Glayson Tebow. 
Okay, so this is the only entry in this video that we are going to look at through the lens of hindsight, mainly because it's super intriguing and a lot of interesting things happened. Habib only just arrived in the UFC. He was obviously still undefeated at 17-0, but we couldn't really perceive him as invincible I and mean, we barely got to know the fella. But of course, after the career he's had, well, no one really tested him ever. Michael Johnson hurt him with a big left hand. Dustin was close on a guillotine, but Gleason Tebow actually gave him a really tough fight. Gleason stalked him from the opening bell and incredibly stuffed eight takedowns in the first round, which against Habib, shit, that's already impressive. Tebow was of course a massive human, he's pretty notorious for blowing up after weigh-ins and it certainly gave Habib some problems. The Eagles striking also just wasn't really there yet, so he couldn't land much on the feet and across the next two rounds, Gleason stuffed another five takedowns. Imagine that, being locked in a cage with Habib for 15 minutes and he's not able to take you down once. Who the fuck are you, Spider-Man? Who am I? I'm Spider-Man took Habib down a couple of times, if you can believe it. It was really Habib's clinch work that won him the fight as he was able to control Tebow at points against the cage, but in the career of Namagamadov, this is undoubtedly his toughest fight. Yet, yeah, obviously he got a lot better, but imagine if this fight happened at the end of his career. Number 4. Lyoto Machida versus Shogun Hua I know most of you have heard of the Machida era and it's been memed to all hell at this point because it was so short-lived in hindsight, but like we were kind of already in the Machida era ever since he arrived in the UFC because he was KOing people and they could literally barely land a glove on him. UFC debut, Sam Hoja, 15 minutes, 11 significant strikes. David Heath, 15 minutes, 8 strikes. Sokaju, finished in the second round, 6 significant strikes landed. It just went on and on and each fight he was being hit even less. Okay, super unexpectedly actually Tito almost triangled him but then right after Tiago Silva only landed two significant strikes before getting knocked out with one second left in the first round and when he fought Rashad for the actual UFC title he just danced around him knocked him down three times and Evans only landed four significant strikes in nine minutes before he was also unconscious. But up next was the Pride star Shogun Hua and finally Lyoto was tested. After the first minute Shogun had already landed more strikes than most other people mainly because he was kicking him which most didn't even attempt. It was a technical striking battle but one that Shogun was more than up for and he was able to land clean and hard shots which had up until that point seemed impossible. It went to a very very controversial decision and Lyoto was called the winner. Lots of fans disagreed but undoubtedly it was the first time someone had actually managed to go toe to toe with the dragon. Shogun got his revenge in in the rematch though. Number 3. Hamzat Chemaev versus Gilbert Burns Okay, I don't know about you, but I was fully on the Hamzat Jemayev hype train. I've been watching this sport for over 10 years and honestly, I'd never seen someone blitz through their early UFC opponents the way Boars did. It was just domination on another level. If you don't know the numbers, he beat his first four opponents taking just one significant strike. He looked superhuman and dude, I was pretty much ready to believe it. You honestly don't get more invincible looking than that. There was also all this mystery surrounding his origins and just how he'd managed to get so goddamn good. Some new fans even believe he should just go straight to a title shot, but he didn't. He quite sensibly got matched up with Gilbert Burns. What happened next is almost unexplainable with just words. The answer though basically was no. Hamza isn't superhuman, he's just an insane competitor and he and Gilbert slugged it out back and forth for 15 minutes. Boars ate some absurdly hellacious shots from Burns and seemed happy to just continuously walk forward and take more punishment. By the end of the 15 minutes, he'd absorbed 119 significant strikes, which I'm pretty sure is more than he'd taken in his whole career at that point. Yes, Hamzat proved he was ready for the best in the world, but for those believing he was Superman, it was a coming to Clark Kent moment. Number two, John Jones versus Alexander Gustafsson. 
I'm betting based on the title of this video, most of you predicted this fight would make the top 10. If you go back and watch it, some people might call it a little overhyped, but you had to be there, man. Listen, John took out legends, former champions, guys who were actually considered the best in the world, and he made it look no more difficult than Homelander wiping out a crowd of innocent people. Just effortless, mate. And the next thing you were on your back, getting elbowed to oblivion. He could throw every single move like a UFC 2 created fighter, and his accuracy, reach, and distance management just seemed impossible for anyone to deal with. And he did it all before he 25th birthday. After three title defenses, he faced Vitor Belfort and he almost got armbarred, that's for sure, but it was UFC 165 against Alexander Gustafsson where his aura of invincibility faded for the first time. Alex was relatively new to the UFC and no one really gave him a chance, least of all John, who was getting blackout drunk the week of the fight. The first surprise came in the first round when Alex shot a takedown on John and holy shit, he actually got it. The first man ever in his 20 fight career. Like I said, you had to be there. I mean, people lost their shit. He then also stopped three of John's takedowns in that round as well. As the fight wore on, Alex and John traded back and forth. It became a war of attrition, heart, a battle of wills. John's face was busted up and he truly looked human for the first time. Eventually though, John gritted out a win and they put the fight in the Hall of Fame. Number one, Fyodor Emelianenko versus Kazuyuki Fujita. Okay, so remember how invincible Big Nog had looked? Well, after winning the Rings 2001 tournament, Fyodor showed up in pride and within one year was fighting Nagara for the title. And he only went and beat him, which meant, yeah, there was a new pride heavyweight champion and the new best fighter on the planet. He devastated the world's elite heavyweight, making plenty of fights look all too easy. No, seriously, I mean, he looked like he was about to take the dog for a walk. That was until Pride 26, where for the first time, the last Emperor was made to look like a common man like the rest of us. They matched him up with longtime fan favorite Ironhead Fujita, who was well known for being able to take a pummeling and keep going, but pretty much no one gave him a chance against Fyodor. It was a fun fight for the fans. I mean, as they touched gloves, the commentator stated that would be the only punch Fujita would land in the fight. And after just a minute and a half, Fujita was already down and taking soccer kicks. But suddenly, the unthinkable happened. Ironhead unleashed a right hand that had Fyodor wobbling on the spot as the world gasped wondering like the spinner at the end of Inception if he would teeter and fall. All Stephen Quadros could do was scream, oh my god, as the unthinkable damn near happened. By the time Fyodor got up, he was still wobbly, but he blasted Fujita with a combination out of nowhere and then choked him out. One of the most drama-filled four-minute fights of all time that nearly felled an emperor. All right, that's it. Big thank you to Luke for putting this video together. He might be a fantastic editor, but he's by far the worst table tennis player in the office. You can still check him out, though, on social media at cooltome underscore. And ooh, yeah, thank you to Ben Rosette for the sweet tune in the intro. You can check him out on Spotify and Twitter, Ben Rosette. Kiss from a rose, come on. Why don't you go ahead and test the invincible like button if you like this video and give us a thumbs up. Cheers, we work very hard on it. And if you like MMA videos, then you might want to subscribe if you haven't. We do about three videos a week. I'm sure you've all had that moment where you thought a fighter was invincible. Who in your mind got tested the most? Why don't you go tell me in the comments below? And I'll see you in the next one. Cheers, guys.